though today we finish the For the One series, I hope that this motif, this thought of being sensitive to the ones God puts in our path will just become the very heartbeat of Great Hills Baptist Church so that we're always constantly being sensitive to the Holy Spirit as to the people that he brings into uh, our path. And so, uh, thank you so much. And, and Ashley and I, we're just kind of a little over the moon today. We're very excited that we're, we're having a grandbaby. And we found out yesterday it's a girl. So we're really happy about that. A little Claire. Claire Delenn Samplaski. And so Jeffrey and Hannah are happier than us, but we're right behind them in happiness. And so we're, we're thrilled. Of course, uh, Terry and Sharon Samplaski also will be their third granddaughter. It'll be our first granddaughter, grandchild, and we are, we're pretty excited about it. And I should have wore pink. I don't know why I'm wearing blue up here. Y'all forgive me. Uh, guys, that, y'all, that totally went over our heads, I know, but the guy, the ladies, I've had a couple of them tell me that. So anyhow, I'm let me just run home and change real quick. No, I'm just kidding. We're all good. All right, so we're in uh, John chapter 3 today is our text. We're going to look at verses 17 through 21. This is the third, I guess, the trilogy of sermons on a man by the name of Nicodemus, how Jesus Christ appeared to him, came to him at night. It's a literal story. It's a true story. And the more we probe into this dialogue, it started as a dialogue. It quickly became a discourse as Christ began to speak to this very educated, erudite, really elite member of the Sanhedrin. Now, the Sanhedrin then was like the president, the Senate, the House, and the Supreme Court all rolled up in one. They were the religious, political, ruling body of Israel. And this man, Nicodemus, just happened to be one of those prestigious men who sat on that coterie, that council of very distinguished elite men. And he was a righteous man. He was a religious man. And he came to Jesus Christ under the cloak of darkness. Why? We really don't know. I have a couple of postulations. I believe, number one, he may, he may felt that he might be criticized. He might be examined by his colleagues if he was found out in the open in broad daylight with this peasant rabbi from Galilee. And so maybe he said, hey, Jesus, why don't we meet, clandestinely meet at night, be kind of quiet. And Jesus, uh, he comes, and I think Jesus has had a full day of ministry. He's given himself in service to his father, and he agrees to meet with Nicodemus. And they have this conversation in which the most popular verse in all the Bible was enumerated. It's John 3, 16. When Jesus Christ in John 3, 7 says, Nicodemus, and he really is telling us all, You have to be born again by the Holy Spirit. And and Nicodemus scratches his erudite noggin, his theological noggin, and goes, how in the world can that happen? How how can I, as an adult, go, go back into my mother's womb and I come out a second time? And Jesus says, no, you don't understand. Here's how you're born again. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, anybody, everybody that believes on him, on me, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And this is the context. This is a dialogue, an evangelism encounter, a very intentional, somewhat confrontational encounter that Jesus Christ has with this man by the name of Nicodemus. And I I love this, this this whole story. Verse 17, which follows right after 16, says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already 
because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. The fourth time in three verses, Jesus will use this Greek word chrysis, K-R-I-S-I-S. You could translate it condemnation, verdict, decision. This is the verdict. The light has come into the world and men love their darkness more than they did the light because their deeds were evil. For everybody who practices evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. Father, we thank you so much for your word and the opportunity to read it, to study it. And Lord, this word you kept giving me um, this morning and throughout this, this day is the word inspiration. I pray that all of us that listen to this message from you to my heart, to the people, Lord, that they would be inspired, they would be motivated, they would be encouraged, and that Lord, you would draw people, Lord, to yourself. Thank you, Jesus that you did not come to condemn, but that you came to save. And Lord, we just submit ourselves to you. We're asking for your anointing, for your power to fall upon us today as we preach your word. I pray for every person that is listening here live. Also many, Lord, who are watching live on our live stream ministry, would you bless them as well? And may the Spirit of God just have his way and that people would be encouraged, inspired, and motivated and saved this very day. For this is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. When you read the book of John, you'll come across this guy, Nicodemus, a couple of times. Uh, early on, we looked at chapter 19 when he came and anointed the body of Jesus. He was there at the burial. But there's another time that he appears in John chapter 7. Nicodemus appears on the scene, and we know it's him by the way John describes him. John 7 says this, verse 50, Nicodemus, who came to Jesus by what? By night. So there may have been a lot of Nicodemuses in the New Testament, or at least in the New Testament era, but that, it wasn't all of it. It was this one because he has given us the context. It was Nicodemus at night. Nick at night came to Jesus. All right. He was one of them. Them refers to the Sanhedrin. And he said to them, does our law judge a man? See, he's defending Christ. He, before the Sanhedrin. He's going, hey, guys, are we judging a man before we hear him and know what he is doing? This, you know, innocent until proven guilty is not so much an American thing. It's a biblical thing, all right? He's innocent until he's proven guilty. We, guys, we, we know this, right? And watch this. They answered and said to him, ooh, come on. They didn't like that. They didn't like being told that. They were highly upset, very sensitive. And they said, are you also, Nicodemus, are you from Galilee? Now, Galilee is a very pejorative way of saying, are you one of those, those, you know, those hillbilly country bumpkin folks up in Galilee and not here in Jerusalem? They're so proud people. They're so arrogant, the Sanhedrin, the mighty ones. We don't have anything to do with those Galileans. Search and look, Nicodemus, no prophet has come out of Galilee. So just be quiet. Quit defending him. But Nicodemus defended him. He anoints his body with these, these spices at his death. So why? I believe it's because he believed. I believe he really was born again and Nicodemus became a follower 
of Christ and it cost him, right? And it's cost us too. And I think the more we go on in our country, the more it's gonna cost us to be evangelical, Bible-believing followers of Christ in the good old United States of America. But here we go. What a blessing. What a privilege to know Jesus Christ. Hey, listen, I'm not party to any party. I am, my allegiance belongs to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I'm going to serve him first and foremost. So here he is, our man Nicodemus at night coming to Jesus Christ. And there's a couple things I want to show you in this text. I hope it encourages you and the word is inspired. I hope you're inspired. Number one, the light has come. You see this sprinkled throughout this passage of scripture, the light, verse 17, Jesus sets the record straight about God's love for humanity. Look at it again. He says, for the son of God, God did not send him to condemn this world, but that the world through him might be saved. It's like, you know, if you watched on television earlier last week of the floods that were just ravaging, you know, Marble Falls and Kingsland. And, you know, it just broke my heart as I was watching on TV and these homes were being flooded, boats were floating down, bridges were being crashed. And I was like, wow, that's just, you know, an hour away from us here. And let's just pretend and suppose for a moment that you found yourself in the raging Colorado River. And you're like, I'm about to drown and I'm about to meet my maker. I'm about to die. And there's somebody on the shore and they have a life preserver and and they can't get out to you, but they can take this preserver and they throw it to you and you catch it, right? And this is what you do next. You go, ah, it's okay. I'm okay. I got this on my own. And you throw the life preserver away and then you drown and you die. Who is to blame. You say, well, it's the guy that threw the life preserver. He didn't throw it just exactly so that I could catch it with ease. Oh no, wait a minute now, wait a minute. He threw you the preserve. You caught it. All you got to do is hang on and he would pull you to safety, but you threw it. Well, it's yourself to blame. It's the same way with God and heaven and eternal life. God has done everything in his power. He created the world. He sent his son to redeem the world. Jesus Christ died on a cross publicly. He shed his blood. The gospel's preached all over the world. It's like God is shouting, I've done everything. All you have to do is trust in me and believe in me. And you say, thanks, but no thanks. I don't want this. I don't even believe this bloody, gory Christian religion. You die, you go to hell. Who is to blame? It's not God. I assure you, it's not God. Because God's doing everything. He's like waving his arms in heaven going, look, he came, he died, the tomb is empty. All you gotta do is believe. For God did not send his son, the light, into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him would be saved. What a message. How could a good God send somebody to hell? He doesn't. (laughs) We do that. We do that of our own volition, of our own accord, because we reject. Galatians 4, 4 says, he came. God sent his son in the fullness of time. He came born of a woman. Her name was Mary, born under the Judeo law to redeem. 
Aren't you glad that prepositional phrase does not say, and God sent his son to judge us, to zap us, to annihilate us because he hates us. No, the Bible says he came to redeem those who are under the law, that we all might be adopted as sons and daughters of God. Hallelujah, God is not against us. God is actually for us. Let me give you one more, 2 Peter 3, 9, the light of God has come. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but he's long-suffering, he's patient toward us, not willing. Y'all reading the same Bible I am? He's not willing that anybody should perish and die and go to hell, but he wants everybody to come and believe and repent and surrender their lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and go to heaven. The light of God has come. One, one writer puts it this way. God's attitude is not that of suspicion or hatred, but of love. He's not seeking an excuse to condemn men, but rather he is endeavoring to save men and women. Max Lucado, I love the way he writes. He describes this love of God. The light of God has come. The love of God has burst upon the scene of humanity 2,000 years ago in the person of Jesus Christ. And this is what he writes. There are many reasons God saves you to bring glory to himself, to appease his justice, to demonstrate his sovereignty. But one of the sweetest reasons that God saved you is because, well, he's just fond of you. He likes having you around. He thinks you are the best thing to come down the pike in quite a while. If God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. If he had a wallet, your photo would be in it. He sends you flowers every spring and a sunrise every morning. When you, whenever you want to talk, he'll listen. He can live anywhere in the universe, but he chose your heart. And the Christmas gift he sent you to Bethlehem? Come on, face it, friend. He's crazy about you. <laughs> For God did not send his son into this world. In fact, Jesus said, I didn't come to judge you. I came to save you. But if you reject the life preserver, and if you cast it away in your agnosticism, your atheism, or your skepticism, or your whateverism, and you say, I'm not interested. And then God's like, well, I, you know, there are two types of people, right? Those who say, not my will, O God, but thy will be done. And then there are those that say, God, not your will, but my will be done. So the light has come. So salvation is for those who believe. That's very simple. It's not complicated. Salvation is for believers. Romans 8.1 says, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We don't walk according to the flesh, we walk according to the spirit. Verse 18 in our text says, he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who doesn't believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. Jesus said it this way in John 5, 24, most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word and believes. Don't y'all love that? Not that you earn it, yeah. Not that you work, but you're going to work at it. Oh, I just, I mean, I got to serve and work and earn. and No, God says, Jesus said, if you just believe in me, who sent me, you have it all. You've got everlasting life. 
You will not go to judgment, but you will pass from death unto life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to God unless he comes through me. I'll demonstrate it for you. I'll die on a cross, publicly shamed for the world to see. I will go to a borrowed tomb and praise the Lord up from the grave. I will arise. I've done it all. All you got to do is believe. Believe God. Trust God. That's all you got to do. You say, well, that's, just, that's just too simple. That's just too... No, I think I'll just try another route. Then you die. You go to hell. And you have nobody to blame but yourself. But yourself. I mean, for heaven's sake, God loves you so much. He's got this raging, crazy, loud, spitting Baptist preacher up here who's pouring out his guts and his life and, and saying, come. Believe with urgency and with pathos and with passion, with everything within me. You say, man, you really do believe this? I really believe this. Amen. If I didn't, I'd go do something else. There is nothing else. If Jesus, here it is, guys. If he rose from, if you can prove to me he did not rise from the dead, I'll turn in it all in. I'll turn it all in. I'll take my ministerial credentials and I'll go do something else. But if he rose... If he rose, then he is. He is God. Salvation is for those who believe. Verse 21, he describes a true follower as those who do the truth. It's interesting that if you really believe, you really want to do. If you don't believe, you don't want to have nothing to do with do or those who do do. You just want to stay away from all that stuff. But if you believe, Jesus said... You'll do the truth. Matthew 7, 21, not everybody says to me, Lord, Lord, enters the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Those who genuinely believe will manifest that they are saved in the way that they live. Here's the spiritual progression. Believe, practice the truth, come to the light. Okay? Salvation has come. The light has come. It is for those who believe. The last part of verse 21 reads that they have been done in God. We practice these deeds of righteousness. We do these good deeds. Let, them, let it be known, let it be seen that we do all of this post-salvation, not pre-salvation. We, we do good deeds. We, we want to serve. We want to help. We want to love. We want to do everything that we can because of what happened to us. We got changed. We got a good dose of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. We got saved. We got saved. And we're like, man, I want to tell the whole world, church, yeah, man, I like church. Yeah, yeah, fellowship with other believers. Yep, yep, yep. Sing praise to God. Hallelujah. A lost person says, no, no, I don't want that. I got other things to do with my time. Then on Sunday morning and praising Jesus, reading the Bible, hearing some guy up there hollering and shouting about how he loves God. I'm not interested in that. Well, this, this is for those who believe. And we walk in the light. We have fellowship with one another. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from our sin. Matthew 5, 16 says this. Let your light shine. Let it shine that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. I think that's a good commentary on 21. He does the truth, comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen. The light of God has come. 
One writer puts it this way, saving faith goes beyond mere intellectual belief to the facts of the gospel. Saving faith is not just intellect. We come, we deny ourselves, we submit ourselves to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's what we do. When we believe, we say, Lord, you're the boss. You're in charge and I give you my life. The light of God has come. Salvation is for believers. Now, I know this next part's going to be a hard pill to swallow. I'm glad I didn't make it up. I'm just, uh, I'm not an arbiter. I'm just a messenger. I'm just an attorney. I really am. I'm prosecuting the case for Christ. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm a follower of Jesus, and I'm going to tell you what Jesus said. And he said, condemnation, condemn, four times, three verses, Christus. Decision, justice, damnation is for those who reject. They don't believe in Jesus. And they have a spiritual progression as well. And I want you to, I want you to see this progression. It goes from unbelief, verse 18, to a love of darkness and sin in verse 19, to a practice of evil in verse 19 and 20, and to a hatred of the light in those who practice the light. The longer and repeated the rejection of the light of who Jesus is, the more attracted you become to the world and the darkness that he is not. And one writer puts it this way, unbelievers are not ignorant, they just willingly reject the truth. <laughs> I like that. They're not ignorant. They just say, thanks, but no thanks. That's, that's, I'm not interested in that. And Jesus said, I know, that's, I knew that's what you would say because you don't believe. I like uh, Randy Newman's book, Question and Evangelism. He, he, he says, these people think like this. You Christians talk a lot about worshiping this God, little g, loving him, following him, serving him. Why? Why do you think it's a good idea to follow a God who doesn't even answer your most basic questions? Like suffering, for example. And of all things, why do you let him call the shots about how you should behave? to what morals you should adhere to, with whom you sleep with for crying out loud. Why? And, and Newman says, well, this is the real question behind the atheism, agnosticism of skepticism is more morality. I, I think there's more people that go to hell out of morality than they do philosophy, ideology, theology, existential, all of those things. Because it boils down to this. I want to do what I want to do. Don't tell me I can't. And if you tell me I can't, then I'm going to go somewhere that tells me I can. If they don't tell me I can, then I'm going to go to a religion, a philosophy, a something that will allow me to live the life that I, I did it my way. Yep. Yep. Many do it, Frank Sinatra. They do it their way, not God's way. And then God says, have your way. And when you do, and when death and desperation and, and pain and agony of the afterlife come, just remember, you did it your way. You, you did it. You did it your way. Look where it got you. Look where it got you. You know, what's interesting is I'm, I've been a pastor now forever. 
a preacher since I was 17. I'm 54. I know. Tell my wife she's getting old, but anyhow, it's... Uh, and I'm older than her, so... And I'm watching this thing happen in our country that is fascinating to me. I'm watching us go from a pro-Christian to an ambivalent Christianity to a post-Christianity in America, where postmodernism, sexual revolution, and the meism is prominent. The next step for us. Barring a miracle of God, a great awakening, it's going to go from a pro-Christian, ambivalent, post-Christian to an anti-Christian, to an anti-Christianity. It's, it's probably already becoming that. We just don't want to, we just don't admit it. Where people that believe like you and me, people say, I don't like you. In fact, I don't even know if people like you should even exist. So much for tolerance, right? <laughs> tolerance. Here's, here's the problem. You see, you're, you're so myopic and you're, and you're so judgmental and you're so non-inclusive. You're, you're just saying that Jesus is the only way. And my lifestyle and my belief system is not okay. Who gives you the authority to say, you, you feel it? You feel the vitriol? You feel the anger coming out of that? And you and I, listen, friend, listen to me. The time is coming. What are you going to do? You're going to capitulate to that and say, oh, I'm just kidding. I don't really believe that. Good. No, I, Jesus, maybe he, wasn't, maybe he wasn't all he was cracked up to be. That, then you cave. Or do you stand and you say, listen, I'm not being mean. I don't dislike you. I don't hate you. I, I'm telling you, I am serving God. God had a son. He came and he died. He showed us how to live, and I'm just going to walk with him. Yes. And you, you do as you, you do as you do. I don't judge you. God judges you. God, you and it's between you and God. I'm just telling you, he's the way. Amen. He's truth. He's life. And I, I, just, I just feel so, I just feel so passionate about this. And I'm like, ah, why am I so passionate about this? Years ago, Paul Decker tells us, story of a young man. He was angry at his dad. There's a lot of that. Amen. Angry at their fathers. He leaves home. Him and his mom get along really good. But him and his dad, they had a big blowout. And his dad said, I don't come back here. Well, a few years go by and Christmas is coming around again. And the young man's like, I just, you know, I'd love to just go home. <laughs> And he's writing his mom these letters. He says, Mom, I want to come home. And she writes, she goes, well, son, you know what your father said? And I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm sorry. But I want to talk to him again. I'll talk to him one more time. I know Christmas is coming. And you don't have time to receive a lot of letters, but here, here's what we've got to do, son. When you get on the train and when you come right before the stop, you know that big tree, that oak tree that's right there on the, high, on, on the road, on the railroad track. I'm going to ask your dad, and if he forgives you and he says it's okay, like bygones be bygones, he loves you, he wants to receive you to, to himself, then I'm going I'm to tie a white flag 
on a limb of that tree. It'll be so conspicuous, you will not miss it. So as you're coming into the train stop, before the train stop, there will be the tree. You look at the tree. If the tree has a white ribbon on it, you get off the train stop, you come home, we welcome you. But I'm telling you, if there ain't no white ribbon, then don't, don't stop. I'm sorry, son, I love you, but it's just not right. Don't stop, keep going. So the young man gets on the train, he's got his buddy with it. He says, you gotta go home with me. I can't do this on my own. So him and his buddy, and they're getting close to that tree and he tells his buddy, he goes, I can't do it. I can't look. You sit here, switch places with me. So he sits there by the, by the window and they're chuka, 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 chuka. That's a train, chuka, chuka, and it's coming, all right? Sean, wave your hand way high in the air. Sean right here. This is Sean. Stand up, Sean. You are the train stop, all right? So go ahead, sit down right there. All right, good. This is the tree. This is a tree. And the trains are coming. Train stops, Sean. He wants to get to the train stop, but he's got to look at the tree. He goes, friend, you got to tell me, you got to tell me. What do you see? What do you see? Do you see a white ribbon tied around the tree? And his friend goes, he's quiet. He goes, answer me, answer me. He said, no, there is no ribbon on a limb. There are ribbons all over the tree. There are white ribbons on every limb of the tree. Your dad says, come home, son. I love you. I forgive you. Let's, let's be reunited. Let's be restored. So the young man goes, he goes to the train stop. Glory to God, he gets off the train and he runs to his father's arms and they embrace. I want you to know something. If you're listening today and you're listening carefully, God, he loves you. He created you. He wants you. And what you have to do is you have to come and you say, God, you're God. You have sent salvation. You have sent the, the life preserver. You have sent, God gave me this thought today. Y'all listen to this. Jesus is a life preserver, not an anchor. An anchor would be cruel. You catch an anchor and you're, you're struggling in the Colorado River and you just sink to the bottom. Well, thank you, Jesus. I went straight to the bottom. But that's not Jesus at all. Jesus is a life preserver. He loves us enough to tell us the truth and he buoys us up. He lifts us up. All we got to do is receive it, believe it, and say, Lord, I'm, I am yours. I am giving you my life. I'm going to serve you. That's all you got to do. Who in the world would not do that? Here's the thing that, that, that just baffles my mind, and I'm seeing this over and over again, that the enemy has convinced most of Western Europe and many in America that what the devil has to offer is better than what God has to offer. And people have bought it hook, line, and sinker. That the partying, the immorality, the loose morals, to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, that is a whole lot more attractive than God. And people just, and it's not so much philosophy and atheism and agnosticism and evolution. And all. No, it's not. I mean, was it Isaac Newton said, hey, just look at, your, look at your hand, sir. Look at your thumb, you know there's a God. I mean, it's just, that's, you know, it's a, just who, put, who put that there, my word, I mean. You, you know there's a God. So it's not that at all. It's how we want to live. 
And so Jesus says, come, surrender to me. Let me live my life through you and we will do amazing things. And when you die, you go, you go to heaven. There are two trails. You come up on a trail. This is the last thing I say, trailhead. You go this way, and this is unbelief, which leads to more darkness, which leads to rejection of the truth. You don't want to have anything to do with truth or righteousness or godliness of the church. And then you get to the point where you're like, I don't particularly even like those people. And this is the progression that you can pay, take. Or trailhead number two, this is the one of belief, a surrender unto God, which leads to an acceptance of Jesus as the Messiah, which leads to this joy and this peace, which leads to service and, and walking with God. It leads to going to church. It leads to serving God. And then when you die, you go to heaven. Which one do you want to do? Which one? Which, really? Which one? I wish I could choose for you. I wish I could just step right into your place and say, choose life, choose Christ. Come on, come on. I know it's not easy. I know denying yourself and taking up your cross and living for the Lord. I know there's a cost involved. I believe in discipleship. I believe that you just surrender and you believe and God walks with you and he takes you through some hard times. I get all that. But I also believe that it, it will be worth it all, worth it all. So Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you, Jesus, for who you are. I thank you that you speak truth, you speak life. I thank you that you're controversial. I thank you that you give us a choice and the Lord, the choice is receive you or to reject you. I pray today, God, that there would be reception and belief just throughout this this sanctuary, throughout this live stream, throughout anybody that would hear this message today would hear the message that God has come. Salvation is for those who believe and condemnation is reserved only, only for those who absolutely disagree and reject the love of God. I pray, Lord, that this message is a message of liberation, that it's a message of inspiration, that we as Christians, we would get it, Lord, we would believe it and we would share it. And we would broadcast it, Lord, loud and, and proud, God. We would speak it on the rooftop, speak it in the whisper, speak it to our colleagues at work, speak it at play, speak it at school. We'd speak life, gospel, truth. And Lord, I pray for receptive hearts. I pray for hearts today, even today. And we say, I don't understand it all, but I understand enough to believe. And I give my life to Christ today. Lord, I'm praying for that. I'm asking you, Lord. To save people today as we finish. As we finish this series of messages, you're here today. I want you to take a step. Oh, friend, take a step toward Christ and believe in him today. Some of you have done that and I'm, I rejoice with you. And some of you need to be baptized. And man, that water was cold, but it sure was fun. It sure was a blessing, wasn't it? To hear people say, Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior, and to publicly identify with Him. And what, what's your next step? Hey, if it's not here, then please find a church that will love you enough to tell you the hard stuff, a church that will preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, a church that will make requirements of you to say, come, you need to serve, you need to get involved, you need to give, you need to go. Man, that's a church that loves you. And if this is the church for you,
You come to our Discover Great Hills class. We'll start another one in November. We want you to come and learn and, and join in with us. But God, thank you so much for the gospel. And thank you for the light that dispels and illuminates, that eradicates the darkness. And thank you, Lord, as C.S. Lewis said, I, I believe in the sun because by the sun, I see everything. I see everything. And so I believe in the Son of God, for it is by Him that I see everything. I pray that there would be belief, God, right now and salvation. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. God bless you. Would you stand to your feet? Let's stand up. Maybe you just want to stretch out just a minute. It's 12. Nope. It's 11.59. My, my, my. Miracles abound at Great Hills Baptist Church. It's 11.59, and we get to stand, and we get to come forward. Some of you are going to want to come. You want to pray for your one. Who is your one that God is leading you to, to witness to, to minister to? I had three Wednesday. I got a minute, so three on Wednesday in the hospitals. And it was so cool talking to people about Jesus and inviting them to Great Hills Baptist Church. And Sherry Brown, bless her heart, in her hospital room was like, that's right, ma'am, you need to come on to my church. And I, Carol, you were there. I mean, it was awesome. And then I'm walking out of the elevator and I'm sharing with somebody. I'm meeting a pre-med student at the University of Texas and I'm inviting her and sharing Jesus with her. Is this not cool? Is this not what it's about? Hey, listen, if this is not what we're supposed to do, then God just kill us and take us all home, right? But He didn't kill us. He left us here because He wants us to be light. He wants us to share truth. He wants us to preach the gospel to the nations before it's too late. What, would you join me in that? I mean, even this week, when you, when you go out of this place, just be light, be truth, be hope, be love, speak, invite people to church. <laughs> Listen, I'm telling people now, I'm not as interested in you coming to Great Hills Baptist Church. I'm really not. I'm, I'm starting to tell people that. I've only invited 1,183 people to Great Hills. And I think five have come. No, I'm just kidding. Not maybe more now. So I'm, I'm going beyond that. No, really. Marcus, what I'm telling them. You come to my church, that'd be awesome. We would love you, but really, I want you, I want you to know him. Yeah. Would you know him? And when you know him, all of our churches in Austin will be full with people because when you receive Jesus Christ and you receive eternal life, it changes everything. So I don't know who you are today, but I want you to come and get saved. Is that okay to say that? We, can we still say that in America today? Just come and get saved. Give you, give you just like an old-fashioned revival. Come and... Give your life to Christ today. We, we got people up here. We'll pray with you. We'll encourage you. Are we singing, I stand amazed in the presence? Is that what we're singing? <laughs> I'm going to help lead y'all in that. Y'all ready? Y'all ready, Brother Terry? We're going to sing. Y'all come. Got counselors up here to receive you.